is. Against such there is no law. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father and our God, we love you today because we are your children. You drawn us from the slime pit of sin and placed us with your princes. We thank thee that we are your children and we have this assurance from your word. And we know that your word is true. We pray that you would bless us now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Against such there is no law. Against spiritual fruit. In other words, spiritual fruit is perfectly agreeable to the law. And the law is holy, just, good, and spiritual. Spiritual fruit is so far from being forbidden by the law that it's highly esteemed and approved by the law. Gill says that there is no law against persons that possess spiritual fruit. Why is that? Because he possesses also the Spirit of God. You can't have spiritual fruit without the Spirit of God. The reason is that these people appear to be in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit and therefore are not under the law. In other words, they have nothing to fear from the law. That's you and me in here if we're in Christ. Nothing to fear from the law. To such spirit-filled Christians, people, there is no terrifying, accusing, cursing, condemning law hanging over our heads in any sensible way. On the other hand, the works of the flesh, we just read those, and they that are of the flesh come under the threat and the lash of the law. They have no spiritual fruit. However, they that follow the Spirit partake of the Spirit's fruit. Against them there is no law. The law applies to them, but they are so far from breaking God's law that they have nothing to worry about. That's not the way it was, the way it is with me. No way. For example, it's, well, it seems like I can't get away with anything. If, even if I didn't want to or do want, I can't get away with anything. I remember driving to work on a graveyard shift down in South Carolina doing the speed limit 55 miles per hour. Almost every night, a car driven by someone who had a big bumper sticker advertising Christ would fly by me doing what seemed like 70 or 80 miles per hour. I said to myself, he's dragging my Savior's name through the mud and doesn't even care. He did it over and over and over again. If I were to do that, they'd hang me from the highest tree and no one would weep for me. 
I couldn't get away with that. There was another time down in Knoxville, Tennessee, on I-40, Interstate I-40. That stretch of road was forever under construction. I was on the inside lane, meaning there was no more road to my left. I was on the inside lane, traffic was stalled. When along came a driver on my left, driving in the dirt, and he went around us. He wasn't even on the road. That guy was left of port. Do you know what that means? All right, for you lovers out there, port is left. He was left of port. Yeah, well, that's, that guy was left of port, and port is left. Thus, he was left of left. That is, left of port. Linda and I looked at each other and said that we couldn't get away with that. Listen, God won't let his people break the law without consequences. And I'm glad it's that way, for man's law helps keep me straight. I was doing 55, that guy was doing 70 or 80. Now, if I were filled with the Spirit and producing the fruit of the Spirit, I wouldn't worry about God's law, far for against such there is no law. I wouldn't worry about God's law, for against such there is there is man's law, but no law of God condemns such spirit-filled people. Spiritual fruit is not the thing that the law denounces. And these spiritual people are free men and free women. For example, they are free from the condemning, condemning sentence of the law and free in the service of God. And since God's law condemns sin, they who show the presence of the Spirit in their life are free from sin's denunciations. They remain sinners, that's true, yes, but there is no outward manifestation of sin in their lives. Paul's meaning is that where the Spirit of God reigns, rules, The law has no dominion. So by molding our hearts to his own righteousness, God delivers us from the penalty of the law. I like that. And in our dealings with God, we are not regulated by the Mosaic covenant. Neither are our consciences bound by con condemnation. In other words, our consciences don't condemn us. But note Romans 2 verses 13 to 15. Romans 2 verse 13. For not all the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the sinner, for when the uh, Gentile sinners Jews sinners for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts 
their conscience also bearing witness in their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. I believe that applies to all people who are in Christ, who know Christ. Now, the law continues to teach and exhort and encourage, pointing us to Christ, and thus performs its own office. But our subjection to the law is withdrawn by the spirit of adoption. Free from the law, oh happy condition. Now God ridicules false teachers, false prophets, who while they enforce subjection to the law, they're eager to release themselves from the law. <clears throat> but only God can do that. Now, my first point, <clears throat> we're free from the law of God as Christians, spiritual people in Christ, we're free from the law of God. God tells us that this freedom comes when the spirit of God obtains dominion in one's life. But lawbreakers have no regard to the law or to spiritual righteousness. But there is no law to condemn spiritual Christians. For spiritual fruit is not the thing which the law denounces. Spiritual Christians producing the fruit of the law, fruit of the spirit, the law does not condemn us. Fruit bearers then are true free men and women, free from the condemning sentence of the law and free in the service of God. The law condemns sin, but they who show the fruit of the law are free from the law's charges. The fruit of the Spirit are free from the law's charges. Where the Spirit reigns, where the Spirit reigns, the law has no longer any dominion because the Lord delivers us from the severity of the law. Now let me say this. <clears throat> God has not repealed the law. He has not repealed, not one jot or tittle of the law is changed. <clears throat> but in God's sight, Christians, even spiritual Christians, strive to obey the law. And in, but in God's sight, we're set free from the penalty of the law. Note Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Christ endured the curse of the law so that we would not have to endure such punishment. Spurgeon said that God has punished Christ instead of me. And therefore, he cannot also punish me. Christ said, Christ paid the penalty of our sins, for our sins, 
And we need to understand and apply that truth to our lives. I know we don't go around killing people, stealing from people, committing adultery and such. And we have no God other than the true God of the Bible before our eyes. And we don't take the name of the Lord in vain and so on down the line. But sometimes it appears as if we're guilty of breaking God's law. But note Galatians 19, Galatians 2, verse 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God, that I might live unto God. Again, Christ has paid the penalty for our sin, and he cried from the cross, It is finished. We're no longer in debt to the law. We live unto God and we thank God for the fact that we have true fellowship with him and with his people. With each one of you as his people. <clears throat> we are dead to the law and we no longer live to sin. The spirit inside us won't let that happen. Instead, we live to God, walking with him, rejoicing in him. Christians need to understand that we are free from the law of God. Then we need to understand that we are free in the truth of God. Free in the truth of God. John 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 32. And ye shall know the truth. And what? The truth shall make you free. Truth. Back in John 7, 17, the Lord said, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine. Know of the doctrine. In this case, doctrine and truth are one and the same. In John 8, 32, as John 8, 32 implies, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth of God sets a person free. Listen to me. The devil is a liar from the beginning. He told Eve, ye shall not surely die. That's what he said to her. Now that was a lie and a, lie and a half a lie and a half whose effects are with us today. So there are, did you get, there, there are lies in the Bible? There really are. Here's one of them. It's, truth that the, it's true that the father of, lie, of lies lied in Genesis chapter 3. He spoke a lie. He did that. Satan's lie condemns everyone born of woman unto this day. But Christ came and destroyed Satan's lie for all who are in Christ. And when Christ destroyed Satan's lie, God's truth won the day. And when one vacates or leaves the devil's lie, 
How does he do that? He becomes saved. So when one vacates or leaves the devil's lies, instantly he's placed in God's truth and all truth is God's truth. Instantly he passes from death unto life, from lies unto truth. And he can see truth and the truth is the Christian religion. So the teaching of true religion will make you free. That is, it will free you from slavery to evil passions, corrupt leanings, groveling views. The condition of a sinner is that he is captive and a slave to sin. He is one who serves and obeys the dictates of his evil heart and the promptings of his sinful nature. We, you and I, we were, 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 emphasize that, servants to sin. But note Romans 6, 19 through 23. Romans 6, verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. We could say the depravity, the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were freed, free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? There are certain things I did before I was saved I will not tell you about. I've always been a man and I've always acted like a man, so that's out of the window if you're thinking of that. But there are things in my life that I don't like to think about myself. So I can't talk to you about it. But look at what he said. What fruit had you in then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? And buddy, I think everyone in here has something that he's ashamed for of which he's ashamed. For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to me. Christ's righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness overrules Satan's lies. Where Christ rules, sin is done. In verse 23, the, Lord, the words of the last part of that verse stand in opposition to the first part of the verse. Verse. Read it again and you can see it. Romans 6, 23. This is the first part of the verse. For the wages of sin is death. The last part says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That last sentence overrules the first part of that verse. God's gift of grace is eternal life 
through Christ. And the gift of God is what? Justifying righteousness. And justifying righteousness is prerequisite to eternal life. Think of this. If there were no sin in the world, we would live forever. But death is the wages of sin, and death takes us to hell. However, life is the effect of grace, and the grace of God justifies and sanctifies you and me. And, res and results in a life free from all sorrow, from imperfection, a life of the utmost perfection and pleasure, not in this life, but in the next to come. It is a life which will last forever because it is the grace of God. And the grace of God justifies and sanctifies God's people. God's grace is through Christ and eternal life is through Christ. All of this is in Christ. It comes through his righteousness, his sufferings, his death. It's bestowed by him and will greatly lead to our enjoyment of Christ. Again, the truth of God stands in opposition to the lies of the devil. And Satan, Satan's lies from the Garden of Eden to eternity are done away in Christ. And make no mistake about it, all truth is God's truth. And if a sinner is lost, I'm a saved sinner. I hope each one of you here is. If the sinner is lost, he deserves to die. He will have his reward. He will suffer only what is the just due of his sin. He will not be a martyr in any cause of injured innocence. He will not have the compassion of the universe in his favor. He will have no one to take his part before God, against God. He stands alone before God in the great judgment day. He will suffer just as much and just as long as he ought to suffer. Eternal torment apart from God forever. Conversely, I like the conversely part. They who are saved will be raised to heaven. Not because they merit it, and none of us here merits heaven, but we're going, <laughs> but because of the rich and sovereign grace of God, that's why we're going. Our salvation is ascribed to Christ, and we will celebrate his mercy and his grace forever. It becomes us, therefore, to flee from the wrath to come. No man is so foolish and so wicked as he who is willing to reap the proper wages of sin. Think about that 
Let it sink down deep. Sink down deep. But there is none so blessed as he who has put, who has part in the mercy of God and who lays hold on eternal life in Christ. So right now, If you're not saved, bow your head and ask Christ to save you. But so right now before God, bow before him and thank him for this truth. Thank him that you have passed from death into life. Thank him that your true home is in heaven and that you're just passing through this life on your way to glory. Our Father and our God, we come to Thee again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Forgive my inabilities. Enhance the good that I said and let it settle down deep in each heart here. We pray Your blessings on everyone here that we might enjoy Thee, glorify Thee, and enjoy Thee forever. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.